What's going on, guys? Welcome on back to Second and Short. My name is Tyler Lauder, joined with my co-host Aaron Ben, and today we're going to be diving in and breaking down our final Monday Movers. Week 17 is come and gone. We're on to the playoffs. But before we do that, let's talk about who moves up and down on our real, not so real power ranking. They're very real. Without any further ado, let's just jump into the action. You know, Sunday provided us with 16 games, seven in the morning, eight afternoon with that one, you know, prime time highlight game. Everybody's been dying for all year at nighttime. But let's start with a game that was looked at as like, you know, either team wins, their playoff position either increases or they're in the playoffs. And, you know, this is probably the best playoff matchup we got, right? It's going to be a good game. Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills. It was a great game if you're a Buffalo fan. Yeah, and my, my older siblings are Buffalo fans, and they had a blast, let me tell you. Uh, first of all, for moving up, it's got to be... I mean, the whole the whole team looked amazing. Just defense had a bunch of turnovers. Offense was killing it. But moving up for me is Isaiah McKenzie, who he's been kind of like this like, quiet kind of breakout, like sort of half breakout star for the Bills. Uh, filling in for Cole Beasley in slot work yesterday, he had... He scored the, the Bills' first three touchdowns. Uh, he had two touchdown receptions and then had this really nice 84-yard punt return and then finished the day off with six receptions uh, for a total of 65 yards. Uh, so pretty good day for him. I'm, I bet he's glad to kind of get some real work and get some uh, touchdowns on the board. I mean, he almost got caught like two or three times in that punt return touchdown, and he almost got caught by the punter. And I that, that little, like, stutter step like go backwards you don't see yeah. people that really do that normally they just like change direction on you and cut but no it was awesome he played great he filled in and i think that's that right there kind of just shows me how super bowl ready this buffalo bills team is and we'll talk more about them and that concept in our next episode where, where we're going to break down all of our playoff matches but the fact that somebody can just step in and fill in and they don't miss a beat i mean they were they were on pace to score like 500 points on the Dolphins had they not let up and put in Matt Barkley. And the reason why the Buffalo Bills were able to do so well is because Tua was not, a, he wasn't 100%. He wasn't healthy. Um, his plan to cough on Fitz and give him COVID so he couldn't play didn't work out for him. He didn't look very well here. Um, one touchdown, three interceptions. You know, he had 58 attempts. And I know he threw for over 300 yards. But there was a lot of poor throws out there yesterday. Yeah, and I think part of the the I think part of it falls on the coaching here. I think at, a lot of times during the game, it looked like they didn't really trust him to to make any big time throws. They kind of called a lot of screen passes, a lot of stuff like that. I would hope that coming in going into next season, they would try to give him some more reliable weapons and, and try to kind of shore up the offensive line because. This season, he hasn't looked good dealing with pressure. Um, and I think going into next year, I think that they'll be focused on building around him more and building up that trust with him as well. Yeah, and here's the biggest thing. I know Miami fans are upset and devastated today. You know what? You are a rebuilding team. You had the number five pick last year in the draft, and you won 10 games this year. That is a huge overachievement in all of our eyes. And I think this Miami team, with a couple more pieces, a couple more finishing games, and they're going to be in the playoffs next year for sure because there's always a tumble. Moving on to our second game, and this was not a game that people were really caring about or tuning into outside of being a Cam Newton fan or you know, hoping that Adam Gase was going to get fired, which, spoiler alert, he did. 
He finally is gone. The Jets are free. They're going to move on. But Cam Newton gets another up for us here. You know, he played really well. If this was his final game in New England, like he kind of said it was, this is almost a really good audition for next year. Yeah, but I think between this and the Seahawks game, it was one of his two best games of the season. I had 20, passed for 21 of 30, and 242 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, ran for another 79 yards, and also he had they had this really nice trick play where Jacoby Myers threw him a touchdown pass. So he kind of did it all yesterday, just kind of like putting on his own pro day, trying to show off for potential teams next year. No, and I think the biggest thing that we have to remember is Cam Newton literally like walked into New England right, right, almost right as the season was starting. Like it was, he barely had any work. I know a lot of people didn't get any work during COVID and everything, and there wasn't a lot of preseason action or camps or anything, but he literally had little to no time to adjust to a brand new team and a brand new playbook. So let's take that in consideration. Yes, he should have learned as he went on, but you know what? He had over 12 rushing touchdowns this year, which is good for like second place all time uh, on for quarterbacks rushing touchdowns in a season, single season. And I think he played really well here, and he gets a huge up for us. And I think he might earn a starting job or a competition job going into next year. From one quarterback to another, though, Sam Darnold gets a down for us here. All year, all we've been saying is what? It's Adam Gase's fault, right? That's all it is. It's bad coaching. Yeah, and I mean, part of it does have to do with terrible, terrible coaching, but you got to take into account Sam Darnold has put up bottom of the league numbers or close to bottom of the league numbers for almost his entire career so far. And last night, he finishes the year just a 58% completion percentage, eight touchdowns to nine interceptions, didn't play like the whole year, of course. Uh, You got to think that the next like regimes and the next the coach to come in is going to want his own guy. Probably Justin Fields. It's looking at this point, but you never know. You know that that's very true. And whenever you see a new, like whenever you see a whole new coaching regimen come in and, or general manager or anything, it's almost like a guarantee, like one of those like 99% odds that they're just going to start from fresh moving on. Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns. Uh, this is a game that Pittsburgh fans have been jokingly saying that they put out their junior varsity. Uh, and you know what? Maybe they did. Who cares? But this Browns team is building momentum at the right time. Week 17, beating a division rival, making the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. And it's a big thanks to Kevin Stefanski and this offense and this team that he's built together. And it's crazy that with all of the coaches that have come through Cleveland the last 20 or so years, he would come in and in his first year take them to the playoffs. Granted, they had already started building a very strong roster, but it's just been really impressive how the team's been, they've been more disciplined. He's gotten Baker like on this hot streak towards the end of the season. He's only looked better as the season's gone on. Running game is outstanding. It's just really big. Big kudos to, to Kevin Stefanski and all he's done for the team this year. And I, I know what everybody's going to say. Like, they're going to be like, there's no way the Browns are going to do anything because, I mean, they lost the Jets two weeks ago. The Steelers team wasn't all their starters. Here's the thing. That Jets loss, I don't take into consideration how good this Browns team was. Now, getting it down for us here is, honestly, it's, it's Mason Rudolph as a whole. I, I, but, I mean, for you, Aaron, uh, you take offense to just, like, one particular part of Mason Rudolph. 
Yeah, I mean, he's obviously he's not a great quarterback, and we know that by now. So I'm not going to waste time putting that out. Did, I, I don't know if anyone caught his hair last night. The, every time he took off his helmet, he has, like, first of all, he has a stupid face. And then his hair, it looked like, it looked like he had, like, was, had gelled it down. He was in his emo, his emo phase back in high school, but without, like, the pink highlight. It was just, like, matted down. It looked like on Scrubs when he invents the hair mitt, and then it just looks like he put a helmet as his hair on his head. I don't know how to explain it. It was, it was ridiculous. It was easily the worst part of that game for me. And honestly, if we're talking and we're being real here, I don't understand why this team values him over Joshua Dobbs. I think Joshua Dobbs gives them a more mobile quarterback, clearly, which can make him more dynamic and can help out this offense. If they're going into a situation where they're playing backups on purpose, I, I think that's the way to go. I don't, yeah, I agree. I think Mason Rudolph is a roster spot at best. Um, realistically, he could be a pretty good starter in the new XFL coming out, but that's as far as it goes. Now, staying in the division, which is the best division in the football right now based on record, I mean, three teams over 11 wins. The Baltimore Ravens, their run game is dangerously good big thanks to Lamar Jackson I mean back-to-back thousand yard seasons this team ran for a million yards yesterday uh you know they were good for 7.5 yards per carry J.K. Dobbins came alive I mean that dominant run game is scary and if they can keep their defense from you know allowing points and getting and then get some turnovers they could make a Super Bowl run but talk about their rush offense yeah, it looks like this team is getting hot at exactly the right moment. They're looking more and more. We've talked about it before. They're looking more and more like like the team they were last year. They had 404 rushing yards as a team last night. That's Those are college numbers. Uh, 7.5 yards per carry as a team is ridiculous. J.K. Dobbins exploded for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Had this 72-yarder they just took to the house. The whole team just... Lamar barely had to throw the ball. They were just running at will all over the Bengals' defense. Yeah, and I think, yeah, getting hot at the right time. I mean, they went, they went 4-0 in December. Now they're 5-0 and in the past, the past five games, and their runoff and just keeps getting better every game. It is crazy to think that this team is a wild card at this point. Now, I'm going to let you lead off on this. They destroyed the Bengals, and, you know, you take back everything you said last week, right? Yeah, uh, last week I was kind of jerking off all over Brian Allen. I loved, just like I loved watching him bomb it deep downfield every play. Uh, <laughs> yesterday against an actual good defense, he went six of twenty-one and two interceptions, and that's it. So Brian Allen kind of disappointed me. He did it again. He did it again. Whenever a quarterback has a bad performance, you change their first name. His name's Brandon Allen, and that's hilarious. Like, <laughs> you did it last week after Goff had a bad week, and you called him Jeff Goff. Cause, we like, just make, we just make no, that this a is thing. thing. I'm going to make that a thing. That's our thing. That's the thing. Yeah, if, if you have a bad quarterback day, like, you sorry, get, your you name's going to change. Name. You lose your name. But no, <laughs> yeah, it, he kind of showed why he's a backup and nothing more. Uh, nothing surprised here. Ravens have a better defense than the Bengals do offense. Uh, Joe Burrow makes his team that much better. You know, he's a better quarterback. We know this stuff. So let's move on to a game that at the time was going to determine who won the NFC East pending the Sunday night game. But winner of this game was going to be in the lead of that division uh, with a nice either 7-9 record from Dallas or a 6-10 record from the Giants. And 
the Giants get it done. Uh, you know, but there's nothing really memorable. I mean, Sterling Shepard played pretty well. Uh, I thought the team as a whole was kind of moving, but they didn't look like a team that I would want to even see in the playoffs that could even really do anything. Dallas Cowboys, though, they get an up and a down from us. Uh, Greg the leg. Yeah, just a real quick up here. Nothing too much to talk about. If Greg Zerline went 4-4 four, four field goals with a long field goal, 57, it looked about the only like real consistent, steady player on the Cowboys. The down for me is Zeke Elliott. And I know he, <clears throat> he hasn't had a terrible season. He went just over 900 yards on the ground, five touchdowns, added a couple more through the air. It's not bad, like I said. But when Dak goes down and you're paying Zeke that much money f- for that many years, you would expect him to come in and kind of take over the team, a, kind of like Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook or one of those like really electric game-changing running backs and he just hasn't done that like he's been quiet the entire year and i know he finished was eighth in the league in running in rushing yards but it just feels like we haven't heard from him the entire year and it's been kind of disappointing for a player of that has that kind of big reputation i mean yeah we even saw it like last year with carolina after cam newton went down and they had kyle allen as their starting quarterback uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey still had a 2,000 total yard season. Exactly. Like, he put the team on his back, though. And that's, and, and that's exactly what you need from Zeke. And a couple years ago, there was a huge, like two, three years ago, there was a huge debate on who's the more valuable to the team. Is it Zeke or is it Dak? And I think the more Dak is gone, that guy, honestly, I, I know we don't give awards to the guys that are like, and we might even do this, but the NFL doesn't give awards to guys that don't play. Dak might be the most valuable player in the NFL right now. Like, he honestly might be. Because this Cowboys team won six games. If Dak was there, I bet they're a 10-win team that we predicted in our playoff predictions preseason. Like, that's how good of a quarterback he is. But moving on. Tampa Bay Buccaneers ripped apart the Atlanta Falcons. They were who we thought they were. And it was just... It's exactly what it is. The, the Atlanta Falcons are, they're done. The team that they used to be is done. I don't see this team as, as being able to compete in the NFC or the NFC South anymore. They need to move on. With they will, who knows? And talking about an up here is on the other side is Tampa Bay. You know, Mike Evans went out early in that game. To me, I thought he tore his ACL. News came out later on the day. Not a major injury. He's avoiding like a serious injury there. That's good. But when he went out, Mr. Big Chess came on in and played well. Yeah, and ever since he signed with the Bucks, he's been slowly getting better. He's had a, a, at least a touchdown over the last three games. It finished today with actually two touchdowns. He had 11 catches, 138 yards. And what's, what's ridiculous about this Bucks team is that they – legit have like three number one receivers like chris godwin on a lot of teams would be a number one receiver and in my opinion he would dominate mike evans is one of the best receivers in the league and antonio brown like we remember who he was on the steelers he's slowly getting back into that form so this going into the playoffs and in the next year if they hold this core together it's going to be ridiculous yeah, and on top of that, and a side note, as much as everybody wants to say that like Tom Brady's slowing down, Tom Brady does not look like he's slowing down. Like he just looks like he just was defeated in New England last year and he was just ready to leave. And I I think Tampa Bay has revived him. And Tampa Bay, if they can do that with Tom Brady, they can do that with Antonio Brown. And he might want to stay on there. Bruce Arians, 
it, the people like playing for this guy. Now, back to the Atlanta Falcons. And what's getting it down here is the uncertainty of their future. Uh, we don't know if they're going to go in the direction of full rebuild, as you say, or if they're just going to keep lying. In my opinion, they're just going to keep lying to themselves, denying that they're a legit contender because Matt Ryan can sling it. Well, of course he can sling it. You're, you're losing every game. You're playing down most of the time. That's my opinion. But I think this team needs to get a new head coach that can just change this offense. In my opinion, they need a new running, the running game. They need a new quarterback. They need to get healthier at wide receiver. And then they just need to be a better defensive team as well. I think this team is too many pieces away to contend. It's, they're kind of in a weird spot because they do have a lot of good players at a lot of positions. And, but in the end, Matt Ryan has got a big contract. They might be looking to off, offload him, maybe not next year, but it, maybe they draft a quarterback this year and let him sit for a year and then offload Matt Ryan the next year. And I do think it's looking like they're heading towards a rebuild. All right, Minnesota Vikings, Detroit Lions, although neither team could make the playoffs, they are playing for draft position, as I like to say. Uh, where the loser gets to benefit the most here. Winner gets bragging rights, and that's it. But this actually was one of the best games of the day. Uh, I thought that both teams threw really well. I got really nervous because I think it was like late in the fourth quarter. Matt Stafford went for like a full extension throw, and his arm was straight in the air, and a defensive end just drilled him right in his ribs. And I was like, oh, my God, he broke him in half. He's dead. Like, I was so scared. But he got up. He kept playing. But talk about Stafford and Cousins, how well they did. Yeah, and Stafford, that guy has no quit in him. I just really admire how tough he is. But both of those quarterbacks combined passed for just about 700 yards together. Six touchdowns, one interception between them, and that was by, uh, that was by Stafford. And it was just, yeah, it was like you said, a really fun game. Justin Jefferson went out there, broke the rookie receiving record set by Anquan Bolden. Marvin Jones had a uh, big game, eight catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns. It was, yeah, it was a really fun game. Every time red zone switched there, it, it seemed like they, there were more points on the board. Someone else had just caught a long ball. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was like, well, Justin Jefferson broke that record overall. Randy Moss was sitting at number two on that prior to that. And, and essentially what he did is he broke a franchise record and then later on in the game broke the rookie receiving record. And while he was doing that, he was wearing cleats that were like honoring Randy Moss, who was like one of his idols, he said. And I think that's a really cool nod right there. I think that's the I think that's the best way to break somebody's record is to honor them and pay respects to them while you're doing it, because it's showing like why you're pushing yourself so hard and big ups there. And honestly. Oh, man, getting it down is just this defense. I don't get it this team plays well at times they hold playoff teams to you know low amount of points and they they can hang in there with anybody but unfortunately this lions team will never be able to win if they can't stop teams consistently and it's crazy just a quick word they they let up the most yards in franchise history that's that's even more than the two the legendary 2008 winless team so that's we're talking historically bad here for the Lions defense. Look for them to, if they keep Matt Stafford, keep this offense going, they're going to need to revamp that defense. I think going the Carolina strategy of going all defense in the draft might not be a bad idea for them. Uh, spend that money and go get somebody to stop giving up so many damn yards. 
All right, week one, we had an anomaly. We had one of those things that we said, you know, it's week one, whatever. It doesn't matter. This doesn't really count. Jags beat the Colts. And then late in the fourth quarter, it was 14-20. The Jags almost came back to beat the Colts. However, Jonathan Taylor put the team on his back and rushed his way. 253 yards, 8.4 yards per carry. He had a couple touchdowns along the way. And I mean, because of his big playability, he helped the Colts get in the playoffs. Yeah, and watching like the, the little ticker at the bottom while I was watching the Titans try their best to lose against the Texans, uh, you just like saw the Jaguars. For, it seemed like forever. It was 14-20. Jaguars had the ball, and then you just thought they were going to score at any minute, and then suddenly you see Jonathan Taylor breaks off a 45-yarder towards the end of the fourth quarter that just basically sealed the, sealed the game and the, sealed the, the wild card spot for the Colts. So big ups to Jonathan Taylor. Love the guy. He's from Wisconsin. And had a great game this week. Got over 1,000 yards as well. Yeah, and getting it down here, it's not really down, but just something to note. Let's note this, is that there are lots of rumors going around Jacksonville that potentially Urban Meyer, maybe Kevin Williams, you know, Ohio State offensive coordinator, are speculated to be the next head coach of the Jags. And with that, there's going to be rumors of Justin Fields. And I think with the way he played, uh, you know, outdueling Trevor Lawrence in their semifinal matchup, I think that's going to start swaying people. And we might be in a situation where a team at the number one pick makes the biggest mistake ever. And who knows? Well, time will tell. But something to keep note on. Let's keep an eye on Jags watch for their next head coach and the rumors of the number one pick. All right. Titans. All you got to do is win your game. You win your division. Pretty simple, right? You just got to beat the lonely Texans. They got what, like four wins on the year. No big deal. You're good. Um, and then uh, the Texans came to play. Deshaun Watson showed just how good he is. And if it wasn't for Derrick Henry getting over 2K, I mean, this Titans team was in trouble. But let's talk about Derrick Henry. Maybe offensive player of the year. Yeah, eighth player in NFL history to go over 2,000 yards rushing in a season. He needed 223 yards coming into the game because he had kind of a down week last week against Green Bay. And then I was like, I kind of had made peace with the fact that he wasn't going to get 2,000. I was more, uh, like the win was more important. Getting in the playoffs was more important. And then at halftime, you see he's at 115 yards. And you're like, all right, maybe you can do it. End of the game with 250 yards. That's the third game in a row against the Texans with 200-plus yards. Going back to last year, absolute monster of a game, absolute monster of a player. And personally, if I'm being super unbiased, I would pick him for offensive player of the year. No, and I, I, don't, think, I don't think that's a really bad pick there because I really think that he legitimately is the offensive player of the year. I think you could make an argument for somebody like Devontae Adams or Travis Kels if you don't go quarterback as well um, as they excelled in, at their positions. I think this year that this is this might be one of the closest offensive player of the year races we've ever had just because there's so many guys that outperformed projections and expectations. Now, getting it down for <laughs> the Texans, I feel like we do this every week. It's been yeah. like three weeks in a row. Um, this Titans defense is last in the league. They've only had 15 sacks all season. And the Texans gave up four sacks to a team that, that, that literally was over does more than 25% of what they did all year. They did it in one week. 
I mean, Watson, if this guy just, I don't understand. They traded for Laramie Tunsil. They, they, they spent money to get an offensive lineman. Like, Deshaun Watson, if he has time, they could dominate, I feel like, with how good this offense can be with him. But he's pressured the whole time. Right, and Tunsil wasn't playing last night with an injury, but still, all season he's been under pressure. And this is just kind of like the season in a nutshell. Deshaun Watson getting pressure, getting constant pressure against a team who's known for not getting pressure. And run game wasn't getting anything done. And basically, their entire run game was two big runs on one drive by David Johnson in the third quarter. And just a really terrible showing by the, the, by the Texans' offensive line in general. Moving on to a rivalry game. We had the Las Vegas Raiders, Denver Broncos. And this game, this game was pretty fun. There was a lot of good things going on. It picked up in the second quarter, or second, second half, more say. And the Raiders come away with the win at the very end. And, you know, last week for Denver, there's a lot of people that were shitting on Jerry Judy. And I, I was believing it was, it was Drew Locke's fault. But they were saying Judy made some couple drops that would have made a huge impact on the game, and he should be catching those passes. He makes millions of dollars, you know. But Jerry Judy came out, and he balled out, man. Five catches, 140 yards, including a huge 90-plus-yard touchdown late in the fourth, which gave the Broncos a lead. Um, I mean, it doesn't necessarily make up for his five drops last week, but it gets, I mean, kind of. Yeah, in his mind, it probably kind of lifts his spirits a little bit, finishing the season on a positive note there. Yeah. You know who else is finishing the season on a positive note and they shouldn't be is the Raiders. And they get a down from me just for the fact that I see like a bunch of tweets saying uh, the Raiders managed to avoid their fourth straight losing record by going eight and eight. And that that's just kind of pathetic. Uh, John Gruden was brought in to change the culture and turn the team around. And they what's it been like two seasons in a row where they started six and three and missed the playoffs? Yeah, man, they're just riding a high early on. Yeah, yeah, I think John Gruden's kind of, if he's not on the hot seat next year, his seat's definitely starting to warm up, and they got to see some changes going, going forward. No, I agree, and I mean, here's the thing. It is time to celebrate when you beat a division rival. When you beat the Broncos, you should celebrate if you're the Raiders. That's just natural the way it is. But celebrating the fact you went 8-8 eight and eight is not something you should be celebrating. It should be motivation on why you need to do better. It's simple as that. And the Raiders, I think, are good enough to make the playoffs. I really do. I think the AFC was just kind of stacked this year. Uh, I think the AFC is super deep. And I think, honestly, if we're looking at, like, best 14 teams, as the playoff nature is this year, um, I would say that probably eight, nine of those teams are in the AFC. Now, moving on to that same, let's keep in that same division. Let's move on towards the Chargers at Chiefs. And really, there's no downs to talk about here. So we'll just talk about one huge up. And the reason why there's no downs here is because the Chiefs took a week off. I mean, they had the number one seed locked up. They're giving all their starters two weeks to rest and recover. But getting a huge up for us here is record breaker and probably offensive rookie of the year. Not probably, he is. Justin Herbert. Talk about everything this guy has done. I feel like we talk about him every week, but it's kind of justified in my opinion because he has just been on fire the whole season. Had a couple bad games, kind of down games that you expect from a rookie, but he finished the season four th- with over 4,300 passing yards, 31 touchdowns, just 10 interceptions. That's, that's a rookie record for total touchdowns, completions, 300-yard games, and he was just 39 yards short of the yardage record. So really just absolute home run of a pick. 
And you gotta be if you're a Chargers fan, you gotta be excited going forward. We've talked about a lot, said a lot about uh, Justin Herbert and like the Chargers future, but just gotta say it again, offensive rookie of the year. I agree with you. And it's not just the fact that he broke all these records and you're happy that you got him and everything when you got him, but I mean, they rattled off four wins in a row uh, in games that they kind of came back to win or they dominated here against the Chiefs secondary unit. But still, rattling off four wins to end your season is a huge thing because it gives a boost to this team going forward. Now, from one guy that's probably going to win an award to another guy that's probably going to win an award, Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, you know, Bears win, they're in. Or if they win and Cardinals lose, they're in. But either way, they have two opportunities to get in. And this game was close for a while. The Bears looked good out there. Um, but, you know, this this Packers team, just they just know how to win. They keep games close when they need to. And when they need to break away, they just do. Aaron Rodgers, potentially, depending on how the offices vote, how they vote, I could see Josh Allen sneaking in, is the MVP of the season. You know, Mahomes is out last week, this week. It kind of gives, gives him the edge, right? You'd have to think so, and uh, there's a good arg- argument to be made for Josh Allen as well. I think he's just had too many turnovers uh, when compared to, to Aaron Rodgers, throwing a bit more interceptions. He, he was more reckless with the fumbles, especially early in the season, and not trying to downplay Josh Allen's season at all, but Aaron Rodgers has just been as close to perfect as you can be as a quarterback this season. For example, yesterday... Five incompletions, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, I really can't see any. I really can't see anyone else winning it at this point. Uh, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see where they go. Um, I mean, they don't give up the MVP right away, so I mean, we could. I don't know if the Bills lose. I feel like that's gonna be an obvious case. But if Buffalo keeps stomping teams and Green Bay gets bumped early, we could see a change of guard there on how the votes go because they always take in the playoffs sometimes, which is ridiculous. But um, and yeah, and the Bears. Um, I mean, they kind of just stumbled into the playoffs. Like, thankfully, Arizona was able to lose to teams like Carolina, Detroit, and Ram the Rams without Jared Goff, even though we kind of dogged on them last week. I mean, that's what they did. They lost to two teams that are going to be drafting in the top eight, and they lost to a team that had no quarterback playing. And the Bears lucked themselves into a situation. Yeah, it's kind of weird grading a team making the playoffs as a down, but I mean... You just kind of fell ass backwards into the playoffs. I don't think anyone is expecting to go and win a game or, I mean, no, let's make the Super Bowl. Uh, What's bad about this, in my opinion, is that there's rumors of Trubisky playing well enough to earn another contract with the Bears, which I think is a huge mistake. I think we've seen exactly what Trubisky is, and I don't think he's going to be the answer going forward. So I think that's kind of like the the long-term consequences of of them making the playoffs this year. New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers. Saints offense looked good. They were all doing really well. Panthers quarterbacks didn't look great. They just didn't play well. Um, this team, at the beginning of the year, we'll kind of talk about them a little bit, was playing, rolling really well. They held the Saints in the first time, but this second meeting was different. And it's all big thanks to the Saints secondary. I mean, five interceptions on the day, all in the secondary. I mean, that's a lot to take away. Yeah, they, they had two interceptions on, uh, on Teddy. Uh, then they switched Teddy out, brought in P.J. Walker, and then they got another three interceptions. Uh, and like you said, all by the second day, they're all like these well-known players, Malcolm Jenkins, P.J. Williams, Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, 
just like everyone was getting some yesterday. So the Saints played well all around, but my, I was most impressed by their secondary. What do you have to say about the, the Panthers situation there? I'm going to give a side note real quick. We're going to do a side note up right here. This might be biased, but Carolina Panthers receiving core played well. No Christian McCaffrey. Somebody has to step up, you know. DJ Moore finished 11th in receiving yards. Uh, Robbie Anderson finished 15th in receiving yards. And Curtis Samuel finished 33rd in receiving yards. Two guys over 1,000. Another guy over 800 yards. That kind of gets a big up for us here. Curtis Samuel has played himself into a bigger, better contract going into being an unrestricted free agent this next year. But the Carolina Panthers did exactly what we said they would do. Um, I said that Teddy Bridgewater has potential to maybe sneak into the playoffs. However, I rewind. We can go find this clip somewhere. I said he is going to play the Carolina Panthers out of position of drafting a rookie quarterback. By virtue of beating teams like Arizona, the Chargers, um, Washington, I mean, three teams with better records or in the playoffs. I don't know if three teams. Three teams with better records that were playing well at times. By beating teams like them, they showed that they can compete, but they also moved all the way down from pick number two to pick number eight. And with the demand of quarterbacks coming in, people are more willing to draft quarterbacks, even if, like Jordan Love, he's just going to sit behind Rodgers. People are willing to draft quarterbacks early. And the reason why is because if they end up doing well, you have them on a cheap contract, you can build a team. We see teams go to Super Bowl all the time with a guy on his rookie deal. Carolina might not be able to draft a quarterback, and if they do, they're going to be reaching. They might get the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the draft, and I think that's a huge issue here for Carolina. Um, We might end up seeing them trade into that top five position to get a quarterback. But Teddy's not the long-term answer, but we knew that. Um, luckily, uh, he has one more year on his contract, and then after that, he can be let go for nothing. Even this next year, if he's let go, it doesn't really cost much. Uh, P.J. Walker, he needs more time in the NFL. I think he's a backup quarterback at best, and that's, that's just that. He's got a nice, strong arm. Accuracy, not there yet. Let's move on. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Cardinals, Rams, all the Cardinals got to do is win. I mean, Wolford's playing quarterback over Goff. You know, it's, it's, it's there for you. Cup is out with COVID, and nope. I mean, we get what? Kyler Murray gets hurt, and the game just turns into a battle back of quarterbacks, which nobody wanted to watch. And the best thing about this game was a huge, like, pick six. Yeah, that's a stage was set for the cards to kind of come in and, and, take, and play their way into the playoffs with the, with the Bears losing, but just really shit the bed. Yeah, ups for me here. The up and down is basically two halves of one team. Yeah, ups for me is the Rams defense, especially Troy Hill, who's picked it up in the last few weeks. He's been in the league for was it five six years, and in the last six the last six games, he's had three touchdowns, including that eighty four yard touchdown you you said you mentioned earlier. Yeah, and then the Rams defense as a whole has been strong the entire year. Number one defense in points and yards allowed. Also had a safety this game. Aaron Donald is, has been the monster he's been for a while now. Um, and then the other side of that coin, the down for me, Rams offense. And this is our second straight game without an offensive touchdown. Jared Goff, super erratic most of the time. Uh, Wolford, I mean, he showed kind of some flashes of potential this game, but you know he's not going to come in and like win the game for them. 
ultimately had to rely on the defense to win. And if you if you talk to me, if you told me like this this up and this down, uh, like two years ago, I, th- I think you were insane because they had the best offense in the league just about, and not uh, not as great a defense. But it's weird how things change. So. And let's keep it in the same division to finish off Sunday afternoon action, and that is Seattle Seahawks taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Here's the thing. Niners, their season, washed. We're not going to really talk about it as much. That's the negative here, whatever. They, they had injuries all over the place. This isn't actually a representation of the real team. The positive. Uh, Tyler Lockett looked good. I mean, he kind of helped them beat the 49ers and kind of sustain that, that third position in the playoffs and that's about it i'm not going to talk about this more i don't need you talking about it russell wilson has not looked good over the past month something's going down but then again he's a playoff performer so maybe it'll go back up now let's talk about sunday night action and the game that was flexed because if washington wins they get the division no ifs ands or buts it's the perfect flexing we've ever seen yeah, and I mean, part of me was rooting for the for the for the football team to lose because I wanted the Giants to win the division at six and ten. But a few weeks ago, I think in the middle of the season, we did predict the football team to win the division eventually. And what's really impressed me, not just this week, but the entire year, is the resilience of that team. And they have a quarterback, Alex Smith, who, who he almost died two years ago. And our head coach. Ron Rivera underwent cancer treatment during the season. Wow. Like, he would go into halftime, uh, get treatment, and continue coaching the game, which is crazy to me. I think it sets a precedent for the entire team. And they started off 2-7, and seven, just were looking terrible, ended up 5-2, and two, won the division. And it, I think it's a real testament to the character, not only of the coach, but of the players. And I, you really got to admire and the, you got to admire the whole team for how they've pulled it together, even though they're only 7-9. and nine. No, exactly. And I think this team is also better than their record. I mean, here's the thing. If they didn't have, if, if they would have started with Alex Smith at the beginning of the season, I bet they get eight wins, nine wins. Like, I feel like they have a winning record without Dwayne Haskins in the way. But I'm not going to give them too much credit. They won this game by six against a Philly team that was purposely trying to tank. NFL, what the hell are you doing? Doug Peterson sat Jalen Hurts, a guy that he put in for his franchise quarterback, Carson Wentz, and said, here are the keys to the castle. You're our guy. And then he benched him for Nate Sudfield. And I know, Hurts didn't play well. I get that. He was 7 for 20, 72 yards, through interception. He also ran for 34 yards. The offense wasn't very good. The offense isn't very good. Sudfield did worse. 5 for 12, 32 yards, through an interception. Had a fumble, like back-to-back drives, turnovers. And then he stayed in the game. So you can't tell me this was performance-based. This was all about tanking. Because if Philly won, they fell like three spots in the draft. And by, by, they would have fell from six to nine. And by losing, they stay at six. And for them, that's a better spot. You can reflect on that if you want. And that is going to do it for us here on Second and Short in this week's edition of Monday Movers, our final Monday Movers of the 2020-2021 season. Um, we'll be back with like a, a review show, you know, per se, of this after the playoffs, giving a final ups and downs of the season. Thank you guys for listening to this uh make sure to subscribe down below also leave a like it's the cheapest way to support the podcast and if you want to check us out on other social medias be sure to look at us on facebook where we update every single episode that comes out also on twitter where we try to 
put up polls every once in a while, interact with, with our homies, and Instagram, where we not only update every episode, but we also have midweek posts with news updates, uh, fantasy stuff, things like that. Yeah, we have a pick em every Saturday, Sunday before the game, if I remember. And feel free to slide into our DMs, whatever platform, whatever time of day, whenever you want. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out Second and Short as we do our playoff breakdowns in our next episode. Have a good one.